Welcome to episode 303 of Live Happy Now. This week, we're celebrating friendships and learning how to build stronger connections. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and today I'm joined by Molly Galbraith, founder of the Girls Gone Strong fitness movement and author of the new book, Strong Women Lift Each Other Up. Molly looks at how supporting one another creates a ripple effect that generates new opportunities and deepen relationships. Let's hear more about how she discovered the superpower called friendship and how all of us can improve our own relationships. Molly, welcome to Live Happy Now. Thank you so much, Paula. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, you've got an important topic for us to talk about. And in a minute, we're going to be talking about the power of friendship and connection. But I really wanted to talk before we dive completely into that, like why it is so important to you to have us support each other. So early on in my life, I experienced probably like a lot of women and girls, some instances of bullying and actually jumping in and being a bully at times and just really wanting to feel as though I was belonged and was part of a group and, you know, as part of the in crowd, I grew up with a lot of scarcity in my life. So my dad was an activist and a politician and what he was an activist for was not super popular at the time. And my family didn't have a lot of money and my parents divorced when I was young. So kind of a little bit of a tumultuous childhood where I had to switch schools and, you know, didn't have a lot of friends and didn't have cool clothes and, you know, had this, you know, dad that, you know, some of the other parents of the kids thought maybe weren't suitable for their, you know, kids to be friends with me and things like that. So I just struggled a lot growing up with wanting to belong, wanting connection and wanting to be part of a group of people. And I know now as an adult that I have the language, I wanted to be loved for who I was. And I was really struggling and missing that in my early years. Well, what's interesting is so many times those kind of experiences can cause people to withdraw, to not be as social as, as you are. So why did it affect you differently? Why were you able to say, all right, I didn't have that in childhood, but I'm going to achieve that as a young adult and it, through adulthood. Yeah. So like I said, early on middle school, elementary school, middle school experienced some bullying, wasn't really part of the cool crowd. I had kind of a little bit of a personal transformation the summer before my freshman year of high school. So I finally made the elusive cheerleading squad. I had tried out for three times and couldn't make. My mom got a new job and started making a little more money and I could get my hair highlighted and basically went through puberty and developed breasts almost overnight. And so the first day of high school, I showed up and I had blonde hair, big breasts, and I was a cheerleader. And all of a sudden, <laughs> everything changed. It was like a scene out of one of those high school movies where the girl like shakes her hair out of a bun and everyone's like, who's the new girl, you know? <laughs> and she's been there all along. And so I started getting a lot of attention and affirmation and people who previously, you know, made fun of me or ignored me all of a sudden wanted to be my friend. And so I started feeling how good it felt to quote unquote, be on the inside. But the problem was, is that it taught me that the way that I looked was more important than who I was. And so for the next, gosh, 10 or 15 years, I was still seeking that affirmation, that love, that connection, but I was doing it in a way that my relationships were very surface level. So they were kind of like hot wired, right? We were connecting over, you know, gossiping about people or, you know, all of us looking a certain way or having the right clothes and things like that. And so I knew that I wanted connection and 
you know, meaningful friendships, but I didn't have the language for it at the time and didn't really know how to do it. So it's always centered around wanting to belong, wanting to feel good enough, wanting to seek that love and connection, but not necessarily knowing how to do it. Luckily, in around 2008, I started going to therapy and my then partner told me that I struggled to be vulnerable with him in our relationship. And the joke now is that therapy worked so well that now I'm vulnerable on the internet all the way over the other direction. But in doing that, I was able to get a lot more introspective and develop a lot of the skills that I needed to understand how to have deep, meaningful friendships. And I've, you know, gone through a lot of personal transformation since then, but it was about probably about eight or nine years ago when I decided I wanted to stop putting my self-worth in the way that my body looked. I wanted to stop, you know, seeking attention and affirmation for things that were fleeting that could be taken away from me. And I wanted to stop caring what other people thought of me and live true to myself. And I wanted to like myself first. And so I went through a massive transformation about eight or nine years ago and truly everything in my life has changed since then. And then you've also developed this philosophy, this strong women lift each other up, which I love that. And can you talk about how that philosophy came about and how you're kind of deploying that? Yes. So several years ago, gosh, probably eight or nine years ago, I, at that point I had a brick and mortar gym and I didn't even occur to me when I first got into health and fitness 17 years ago to focus primarily on working with women. But I teamed up with a former business partner of mine and his focus was helping women get strong in the gym. And so I started working, we opened a gym together. I started working primarily with women and it was so much fun to see the inner transformations that women in our community had when they realized what they were capable of, when they saw how strong they really were, when we helped them change their inner narrative about, you know, what was possible for them and what they were capable of. So that was something that I really enjoyed. And then many, many years before that, I had a massage therapist friend who was the first woman that I had ever spent any time with who never spoke negatively about other women and who got true joy out of lifting women up and, you know, speaking life into them and being really, you know, positive toward them. And that just kind of planted a little seed in me, but at 19, you know, stuck in gossip magazines and reality TV and sorority life, I wasn't quite ready to go there yet, but she certainly planted a seed in me to want to lift other women up. I just didn't quite know how. And so then as I started my journey in health and fitness and then started working primarily with women, I realized how much I loved helping women, but I was being held back. And what I was being held back by is something that I now know or now call scarcity mindset and the comparison trap. So people listening to this, women listening to this, these things might sound familiar to you. So scrolling through social media, feeling like you're not pretty enough, not fit enough, not lean enough, not successful enough, not a good enough parent, not doing enough to help in the world or comparing yourself to past versions of yourself. So, oh, you know, I used to be so much fitter, leaner, healthier, or comparing yourself to future versions of yourself. Like when I lose 15 pounds, when I get this promotion, when I'm in a relationship, then I will be good enough or feel good. And so I realized around 2013, again, when I had kind of my body image transformation, I also realized that I was stuck in that comparison trap and that scarcity mindset. So I wanted to help other women deeply, but I was held back by feelings of comparison, competition, jealousy, feeling like I didn't measure up. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense looking back now, because at this moment in time, 
there are fewer opportunities for women. We look around and we see that there's less opportunity now for women. And when we think it's normal, Paula, then we're willing to compete with each other for scraps instead of demanding more for ourselves and each other. And so in fitness, for example, you go to a conference and there's 10 speakers and nine of them are male, right? There might be one woman speaking. Well, if I want to speak at that conference and I believe I buy into the narrative that there's only one space for women, well, I'm going to be significantly more likely to try to compete with my friends and colleagues for that spot instead of working together to create more spots for women to speak. And so it builds this kind of feed forward cycle of what it's going to take to create the kind of change that we want to create in the world is women working together. But when we're stuck in a trap of believing that there is less opportunity for women and that we have to compete with each other for those limited opportunities, then it pits us against each other. So how do we learn to address those things and keep that from interfering in our relationships with other people? Because I think, especially again, social media has done some wonderful things, but it's also Mm. been very harmful in terms of that comparison and I think it prevents some of the sense of community that we could have, especially as women. So this tactic is called notice name and normalize from the field of behavior change psychology. And the idea, the first step to changing anything is simply to notice name and normalize what you're feeling. So that raises awareness about it. So that's what noticing does is raises awareness about how you're feeling, naming how you're feeling. There's actually evidence to suggest that naming how you're feeling reduces the intensity of the emotion in the moment. And then of course, normalizing it helps us refrain from judging ourselves for it, but understanding that it's a normal reaction and that we can do something about it. And then the next step is getting curious. So getting curious has been one of the most life-changing skills that I've developed since starting therapy 13 years ago, because it's allowed me to not just get introspective and figure out what's going on with myself, but it's also allowed me to create a little bit of space between whatever's happening in the moment and how I respond to what's happening in the moment. And so when you get curious, especially when you're having feelings of jealousy or envy, it allows you to understand where those are coming from and what to actually do with it. So for example, jealousy can be a really powerful compass that can help us determine if, you know, it's a good direction to go or something that we want in our life. So if we're scrolling on social media, we see someone who just got a job promotion, for example, and we're feeling a pang of jealousy because we're unhappy in our job, or maybe we lost our job or we're not, not enjoying what we're doing. And we're like, Oh, I'm feeling, I'm just, I'm not happy. I'm not, you know, that feeling I'm not happy for this person. I'm feeling jealous of this person. And so we're able to say, okay, So this person just got a promotion. I'm kind of familiar with what they do. I know they work a whole lot of hours and worked incredibly hard to get that promotion. Is that something that I would want for myself? Yes, I want the promotion, but do I want what it takes to have to put that time and effort in to get it? And if the answer is no, then we can say, okay, great. So she got that promotion, but she's having to do a lot of things that don't align with what I want for my life and don't align with my values. And so it allows us to create a little bit of space between ourselves and that emotion. On the other hand, when I was writing this book, for example, one of my best friends, her name's Jen Comas. She's talked about in chapter four of the book. At the beginning of our relationship, we struggled with both being jealous of one another and not even knowing it. And when I 
told her I was writing this book. Our relationships transformed a lot over the years. She said, oh my gosh, I have the happiest pang of jealousy for you right oh, now wow. <laughs> because I have always wanted to write a book. This is something I've always wanted for myself. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you and you deserve it. And it was this really beautiful recognition of I'm so happy for you. And this is something that I want for myself. And so her being able to recognize why she was feeling jealous gave her insight into the fact that this is something that she wants for herself. But instead of putting me down or saying like, you know, Molly doesn't deserve it or, you know, why is she writing a book? Instead, she's like, you are amazing. You deserve this. I'm so excited for you. She supported me every step of the way. And then the beautiful kind of full circle, strong women lift each other up ripple effect of that is when the time comes, if she chooses to write a book, she now has a friend who has done the thing, who can make the introductions and share the insider knowledge and support her and be excited for her. So instead of me shutting the door behind me because she, you know, was unhappy for me or, you know, mistreated me when I told her, I'm, you know, have my hand out reaching behind me to pull her along to do the exact same thing when the time comes for her to do it. What happens when the person doesn't respond that way? Say you've got a friend and you have great things going on in your life and you're eager to share it with them and they're not able to accept that. You know, it's like they're jealous, they're hurt, they're wishing that had been their life circumstance. And that can cause, I've seen a couple situations recently where it's caused some real rifts. So how do we deal with those situations? Yeah, that can be really difficult. The thing that is easiest or the thing that's helpful for me when I get any type of negative response from people is, again, getting a little bit curious about where that might be coming from. Because most of the time when someone is struggling to be happy for uh, for us, it's because they are struggling with whatever is going on within themselves, right? And so it, for me, it depends on, I'm able to see that what they are giving to me in that moment is what they have inside of them. And I'm able to have a little bit more compassion or empathy for where they're coming from. I think that if we have people in our lives who are consistently never happy for us in anything that we do, that's a little bit of a, you know, bigger issue. And that might be someone that we have to set certain boundaries with, right? I'm not a fan of like, you cut them out of your life hundred percent, right? Maybe there's someone that you don't talk about that kind of stuff with, and you just enjoy other, you know, different activities or other parts of your relationship with them, right? We have, we have mm -hmm. certain friends that we have deep conversations with. We have certain friends that we like to go to certain restaurants with. We have certain friends that we cry to when we're struggling with things, right? People in our lives, I think we can have different types of friendships that serve different purposes. But if you have someone who is consistently not able to be excited for you or happy for you when good things are happening in your life, then I think that's definitely an opportunity to re-examine that relationship. We do have to let you go, but before I do that, I want to find out what we can do to start deepening our connections with others. Like a lot of us are feeling isolated. Maybe our relationships have suffered because people just haven't been in touch like they should have been or could have been throughout 2020 for obvious reasons and for other reasons. So what are some of those things that we can do to deepen those connections with friends? Mm, I think that is such a great question. And it's hard because like you said, so many of us are feeling isolated. We're feeling tapped out. We're feeling spent. For me, one of the best things that 
I've done in my relationships is to reach out to people that I care about and let them know I'm thinking about them and that there is zero expectation of a response and to detach from whether or not they respond, particularly when we know other people are struggling. The pandemic has been incredibly hard for all of us. And it's been harder for certain people. It's been harder for people who have lost their jobs. It's been harder for people who have multiple kids at home who are trying to navigate distance learning. It's been harder for people who've lost loved ones. And so at this point in time, I'm in a position where I haven't experienced those things. And so while I might be a little bit depleted, I do think I have more bandwidth than some of the other folks in my life. And so I've done a lot of reaching out saying, hey, just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. I love you. No need to respond back, but I'm here if you want to chat. And I think that's such a beautiful way to say I'm thinking about you and I'm not putting any expectation of more labor or obligation on you at this moment in time, because that's something so many people are just, like you said, worn out from. And so it's just, it's that feel good message that lets people know that you care about them, that you want to know how they're doing and that you're there for them, but that you're not expecting anything from them. And I have found that to be a powerful relationship deepener, especially when we're wanting to deepen relationships with people who are having a hard time, like so many of us are. That is such excellent insight. And I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing what you are sharing with others on a daily basis. So again, thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing to help us deepen our connections, improve our friendships and lift each other up. Thank you, Paula. It's been such an honor to be on here. That was Molly Galbraith, author of the new book, Strong Women Lift Each Other Up. If you'd like to learn more about Molly, her Girls Gone Strong movement, buy her book or follow her on social media, just visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. As you might already know, we celebrate the International Day of Happiness on March 20th, and we're celebrating with a whole month of what we call Happy Acts. As part of that, we're inviting all our listeners to participate in the 10-Day Live Happy Gratitude Challenge. To be a part of this, just take a few minutes to express gratitude on your social media platform to a different person every day for 10 days. Each time you tag a person and explain why you're grateful for them, invite them to participate in the Gratitude Challenge too. Be sure to use the hashtags LiveHappy and GratitudeChallenge and include a photo or even a short video. In addition to enjoying all the benefits that gratitude brings, you can also win some great Live Happy prizes. Learn more about this at LiveHappy.com or on our Live Happy Facebook page. That's all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. 